All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus told them a parable. There was once a shepherd who watched over a large herd of sheep, 100 sheep and lambs in all. The pasture where the shepherd took the herd to graze was surrounded by a large, deep forest teeming with wild predators, wolves, grizzly bear, mountain lions, and coyotes. To leave the sheep unattended for even a short amount of time would have been to leave the entire herd as prey for those predators who were always on the outskirts of the forest waiting for an easy meal. One morning, after the shepherd had taken the herd to the pasture in the mountains, he noticed that one of his lambs was missing and unaccounted for. He looked out at the other 99 sheep and then beyond them at the dark forest surrounding the pasture. He could almost make out the glowing eyes of the bears and the wolves and the wildcats lurking in the darkness. Yet the pain of the one lost sheep tore at his heart. And so the shepherd quickly left the 99 alone in the pasture and he set out into the forest in search of one lost lamb. And when he found it, he lifted it up like a child and placed it on his shoulders and the shepherd rejoiced and celebrated. Jesus also told another parable. A woman who'd been collecting change in a large jar in her kitchen for many, many years, one day decides to get her sons to help her load the heavy jar in the back of her car and drive it to the bank to cash in all the coins for bills. At the bank, the change she's collected ends up amounting to $1,000.05 exactly. The woman was incredibly thankful. And when she got home, she put the money, all the bills, and that one nickel safely away in a drawer in her kitchen. Sometime later, the woman came back to the drawer and upon examining the money stored there, suddenly discovered that the one nickel had gone missing. And the more she thought about it, the more that one missing nickel tore at her heart. Even though she still had $1,000, the woman dropped all those bills back into the drawer, got down on her knees and began to scour every inch of her kitchen and home looking for that one lost nickel. She searched and searched for several days until finally, deep down underneath the refrigerator at the very back near the wall, she found the one small shiny nickel. And when that coin was in her hands again, the woman rejoiced more than she had when she'd received $1,000 in bills at the bank. She immediately called up all of her friends and family and invited them to her house for a party to celebrate the finding of one lost nickel. Brothers and sisters, these stories I have told you are the same stories Jesus used to tell the Pharisees and the scribes in our gospel 2,000 years ago. I've tried there to add a few more details to flesh it out and to freshen it up for our 21st century minds. But regardless of everything I've added, they are still 
the same parables that we've heard numerous times before here in the church. Jesus' parable of the lost sheep and Jesus' parable of the lost coin. And after reworking it a bit to try and re-engage our hearing of the, of the parables, I have to say my question is still the same question I know I've asked before in many a sermon past. Do these stories make any real sense? And more importantly, if these parables had been told just by me or by anyone other than Jesus Christ in the Bible, would we have ever listened to them in the first place, much less repeated them and remembered them? We have to be honest. Just like the kids this morning, we too have lost something before. But none of us would ever leave behind 900 sheep or cattle or any other animals to go search the dangerous woods to find one lost lamb. And none of us would ever tear, about our, tear apart our house to find one nickel out of $1,000. Maybe we'd wonder about it and try to remember the last place we saw it. Maybe we would retrace our steps once or twice. And we'd probably hope that we might run across that lamb as we walk back to the sheep's barn or find that nickel when we change the flooring in our kitchen in five to ten years. But if we did any more than that and our family found out about it or our friends knew, they'd probably think we were losing our minds. And what about our modern understanding and acceptance of the simple fact that sometimes in life somebody or something just has to take a loss for the team? If you are on a trip with 30 other people and you leave a bag of souvenirs you bought for your children somewhere unaccounted for, when the time comes for the bus to pull out and leave, you are most likely going to have to accept your losses in order to allow everyone in your group to keep their schedule and get to the next place they're going on time. This is just how it works in our world, isn't it? Sometimes sacrifices just have to be made for the good of the whole over even the most emergency needs of the one. But Jesus this morning somehow didn't get that memo 2,000 years ago. In fact, Jesus is running completely counter this morning to the world's ideas about this thing called the greater good and laying out instead two very short, concise parables that purposefully carry with them shock value, which all good parables should do to catch our attention and to shake us up a little bit. Because friends, sometimes those Pharisees and definitely sometimes those of us in God's church need a good shaking. You see, the Pharisees this morning are grumbling because Jesus of Nazareth someone who the people have declared a rabbi and a teacher on par with the greatest ever before in all of Israel, is starting to spend less time with them and more time with people who the Pharisees find troubling. These people Jesus seems to be getting close to, in fact, are those who failed to keep even the easiest of laws from the Torah, which the Pharisees worked so hard to keep and hold to and encourage as the center of Jewish faith and practice. 
Jesus, they are observing, is eating, conversing, and sitting at the table with those who nearly everyone would describe as known sinners. These sinners in the Gospels are everything from tax collectors and money changers to foreigners and lepers to women of ill repute and adulterers. For the Pharisees, these kinds of people are unclean. And these high men of ranking in the community cannot figure out why any Jewish rabbi would waste his time with these kind of people. And so it is into this view from the Pharisees of that time, all the way up to the present, I would argue, that Jesus is injecting his two parables this morning. Even though they'd never be able to understand it this way, Jesus is also trying to help the Pharisees themselves, help them to be shaken awake to God again and to remind them of God's deeper love for all of God's creation. For in Jesus' revelation of God's saving love, there can be no untouchables. There can be no rabble who must eventually take one for the team. There can be no sinner who is beyond saving and redeeming and being reconciled to God. Jesus is really, I think, making two proclamations to the Pharisees who sit grumbling about him on the outskirts of the crowds. Firstly, he is proclaiming that God's Son was not sent to this earth to spend all his time with those who already had the discipline and understanding to know and keep God's many laws. God's incarnation on earth wasn't needed as much in the synagogues with the righteous and the observant who already have their seat and voice and are following those rules to get to God's table. Jesus was sent to the world to seek out and find the lost and bring them back into the fold and back to the place already set up for them as well at the Lord's table. As Jesus will tell Nicodemus, who himself was a Pharisee, In the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is what Jesus has come to be a part of. In his first letter to Timothy this morning, the wonderful Apostle Paul will sum it up perfectly as well for all of us in the church of his time and for the church today. St. Paul writes, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. So the question remains the same for the Pharisees at the time of Jesus and for anyone today who might grumble about seeing the church working in places which seem a little too off limits or a little too frightening or a little too dirty. The question asked, where is it that we ever thought Jesus would be in the first place? if not with those who are wandering in the darkest places of this world where light is most needed to shine. Secondly, this morning, Jesus wants us to know that not only do the shepherds and the woman who had lost the most important thing celebrate and rejoice when that which was lost is found, but that all of those who love the shepherd and who love the woman are also called to be part of that rejoicing and celebrating as well. What, that, what does that say to those who do not share in the celebration when it comes? Who sit and grumble to one another? Who do not accept the invitation to the party? 
It will be as it was to that son who will show up in Jesus' next parable in chapter 15 of Luke, that great parable of the prodigal son, the son who calls his father aside and scolds him for killing the fatted calf for the other son, his brother, who'd wandered off to enjoy what he thought was in the world, only to find the world couldn't supply it and crawled back on his hands and knees seeking mercy of his father. It is a warning to all who might think they are the most righteous, the most learned, and the most observant. A call and a warning to never forget that all of us have had our own struggles from which Jesus has been the only one who could deliver us. For all of us have had a moment when we too have made a mistake, when we failed to do the right thing, even when we knew that was the thing to do, when we've lost our way in our journey. Perhaps, and I hope, you didn't stay lost for very long. But the parables this morning are meant to shake all of us and remind all of us that God's love for us is so great and so merciful and so wonderful that God always is ready to reach out and call us back home to Him. This morning, Jesus reminds His church that in God's kingdom, one out of a thousand is celebrated by all 999 when that one is brought back to God's table and finds reconciliation. God certainly has laws that are meant to direct us and help us get closer to God. But it's foolishness to think that we can keep all those laws and get to God on our own. It is God's incredible love that comes first. There is absolutely nothing that we can ever do to separate ourselves from that merciful love. God loves us that much that God through Jesus Christ is always calling us to come back home when we ourselves wonder and get lost. That is God's truly amazing grace. And what a sweet sound it is. And it can still save a wretch like Nicodemus, who himself was a Pharisee. St. Paul, who would tell us about his sinning and will save a wretch like you and me. Jesus said, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And for that, all of us can say, thanks be to God. Amen.